0: It's Daily Thunder, booming out the truth of Jesus Christ every weekday morning from our studio on the Ellerslie campus in Windsor, Colorado. To learn more, visit ellerslie.com.
1: Eric, it's interesting that the North American church, probably worldwide, but at least the North American church, the American church especially, we are so bombarded with information, and we have a problem, at least that I've noticed, that we hear a lot of things, but we don't actually do it. Mm-hmm. In other words, we we esteem truth. We get all this information. We love listening to sermons. But if you actually look at our lives, we're not actually putting things into practice. We're not actually yeah. actively doing it. And I'm actually really excited with what we're doing in the sense of rather than giving a whole variety of uh, different series or different thoughts we are kind of coalescing and focusing on one single truth. You want to flesh that out just a little bit? so
0: yesterday I gave a sermon called Living Dangerously. Today, we're going to unpack that sermon. Tomorrow, we're going to unpack that sermon. All throughout this week in Daily Thunder, we're going to unpack one sermon. And for you and I, and we could throw Leslie in the same discussion because we've all had this conversation over and over and over again is what we're doing with Daily Thunder as sharp and as effective as it could be? Because what we see is that exact issue you just brought up. We can give a lot of content. Right. That's that's what our strength is. If you could say it uh, at Ellerslie, we have so much content, so much richness. But if our audience is just, if, if if they have too much being thrown at them, it's like the old tennis ball experiment. I throw one tennis ball your way, you can catch it. I throw two and you're the statistical odds of you dropping both have massively increased. If I throw three or four or five, which is sort of what we're doing if some people out there, we have a lot of tennis balls that we can throw. What we want to do is throw one and then, hey, throw it back to us. All right, I'm going to throw that to you again. Hey, let's work on catching this and throwing that one tennis ball. And in a sense, that's what we're going to be doing. And this particular sermon, uh, Living Dangerously, was... I think even for me, I could say extremely pertinent and profound. Because as much as I, and I could say you, were advocates and proponents of activated Christianity, it's amazing how this culture that we live in here in North America dulls us to the point where we can lean on the fact that we have knowledge of something as almost a replacement for the action of that very knowledge. I know to do something, but do I really need to do it? Can't I just know to do it? And isn't that the same? Well, I think that's actually part of the, the weakness of the
1: modern church. We, we become so passive in our living that you look at the modern state of the American church, we are weak yeah. as, as the body of Christ. And I think a lot of it has to do that with that
0: we're not practically living it out. So today, you know, this message is called The Bold Turnaround. And which is the idea of when you recognize that something is off in your life, that it isn't as it ought to be, then what are you supposed to do about it? Scripturally speaking, do we just stare at it and go, oh, that's too bad? And do we just feel a little, you know, pain and grief over the fact? Or is there an action of the soul that is necessary? You see, there's there's a mechanics within us that is very, very important that we activate. And it's at the soul level, and it's very, very significant for forward movement in the Christian life. And so one of the illustrations I gave in yesterday's message was, how do you get out of bed in the morning? And getting out of bed in the morning, to me, is a trajectory issue, it affects, it infects, if you do it wrong, but it, it colors your entire day. Yep. How you get out of bed in the morning, if you get out grumpy, self-focused, you know, and groggy, and you're just like, you know what, why do I have to get up? And you start out the day sort of off kilter, it, it's amazing how it colors the rest of your day off kilter. If you start out self-focused, it's amazing how vulnerable you are to self-focus throughout the day. However, if you start out rejoicing, I know that's like a shocker to some people. If you start out worshiping God, praising God, my first words are always, good morning, Lord. It comes out a little groggy. (laughs) And then I start proclaiming the gospel to my soul. I'm in Christ. I'm in his death. I'm in his burial. I'm in his resurrection. I'm in his ascension. He's seated at the right hand of the Father, and therefore I'm in Christ in heavenly places. And this is literally my first meditations, and it is significant for me. I'd say it's one of the key disciplines of my life. But we also have other zones of our life. Like I could call it the living room zone. Not just the wake-up zone, but the living room zone. And that's when I encounter the cares of my life, the challenges of my life, my computer, and the dings and beeps and buzzes. And I went into that living room after getting ready in the, in the bathroom, right? I came out, and I was going to seek Jesus and pray, well, am I going to do it or not? Because there's going to be distractions in there. There's reasons to get off track. And there's a self Focus that I can have, and there's a God focus. In every one of these zones, the kitchen zone, I could focus on what I crave, what my appetites want, or I could focus on what's going to make me stronger for the day. Each one of these zones has a decision at the very cornerstone of our life. Many of us have a damper pedal over our life. We're not functioning to the full capacity of what God designed us for because we are not heeding the first movements. The primary actions of our soul are off. They are not honed and sharpened. And so as a result, we're having a weak outcome. Uh, I wanted to show a a clip from yesterday's sermon just to sort of warm you and I up and sort of to take it, you know, to sort of help define uh, the direction of our talk today. But David, could you play that uh, clip from uh, the sermon? So Edward Gray, listen to this quote. The United States is like a gigantic boiler. Once the fire is lighted under it, there is no limit to the power it can generate. Now, this isn't just a pro-America rah-rah type of message. I'm using America as a symbol. America was sleeping. America had no interest in anyone else outside of itself. It was focused on its own paneled houses. And God's saying, you want to know why you're not succeeding? You want to know why you're falling to pieces? Because there's a world around you that needs what you have, but you are sitting on your thumbs selfish. Are you ready to wake up and live according to the purpose that I've given you? Listen to this quote. Now, this is just the scriptures talking, right? Right? The church of Jesus Christ is like a gigantic boiler. Once the fire is lighted under it, there is no limit to the power it can generate. And I'm going to take this uh, quote one degree further, maybe just a little more granular down to the U level. The children of Jesus Christ are like a gigantic boiler. Once the fire is lighted under it, there is no limit to the power they can generate. What God intended for us as individuals and for us as a church is so much greater than what we are witnessing today. So it's not just America, you know, I gave the illustration of the gigantic boiler, which is very interesting because this this is nineteen thirty-nine America and we're in the Great Depression. Right. And so to make a statement that we're a gigantic boiler, I mean light that fuse and boy, watch what America would become is almost laughable because it looked pathetically weak. The Japanese obviously have so much confidence that America is not going to fight. In fact, that's what they were convinced of, that they're going to bomb Pearl Harbor. They're going to pick a fight with the United States of America. I mean, you can't be too smart to do that. At the same time, if you had seen 1939 United States of America through 1941 United States of America, you're going to say, you know what? This is the time. If you're going to beat them, this is the time to do it. This guy named Hitler is rising on the stage in the European theater and he takes the the Rhineland, Sudetenland, uh, Austria, Czechoslovakia, and then he goes into Poland. Finally, France and Great Britain are like, "Hey, we need to do something about this." But America doesn't want to touch it. "Hey, that's your business. We don't have time for that." You see, 1939 to 1941 America is very similar to the church right now. Where we have this latent potential, we're that gigantic boiler that if the fuse could be lit, if, if the fire could be lit inside of us, if we could awaken from our sleepy state, watch out world. And this is why you know we're calling it the bold turnaround because the United States is going to show something when it's bombed, when the Pearl, Har- Pearl Harbor is bombed December 7th of 1941. As Isoroko Hiromoto, I don't know if I'm saying his name correctly, famously said, uh, I think we've awakened a sleeping giant and and filled him with a terrible resolve. And that's exactly what my prayer is for the Church of Jesus Christ. I mean, we're being shoved around and bullied right now. And I want to see us awakened. When the United States of America was awakened back then, again, this isn't just some rah-rah America thing. It's just a great picture of what can happen. They are going to go from being a little guy on the world stage to literally becoming a dominant superpower. They are going to produce and manufacture more than any nation has ever done in just a few year period, to the point where Japan has no answer for what they're going to do. They are going to produce 99 aircraft carriers in just a matter of like, what, three years, four years? That is so extraordinary considering up to that time it took two years to build one, one, let alone 99 of them. It's just an extraordinary productivity. This is my vision for the church, but also the individual life. And what we're going to see in the shift of World War II is sort of what I crave right now, is that there would be a bold turnaround, but it's not just at this national level. Like many of us are saying, when's the church going to awaken? But we're in the church. When are we going to awaken? It starts with us. What a great
1: picture. It's such a sad thought that we have the king of the universe who measures the universe in the palm of his hand. Mm -hmm. And yet we are so weak and we're so laxadaisical When really, when you look at Christian history, it is the church, it is the people of God, who have the muscle, who have the strength, who have the God of ages upon their side. Hmm. So it seems rather odd in this in this generation to look around going, where where is the church? I, yeah. When I when I look at China, I, I see a vibrant church. You know, when I when I think about the Catherine Booth quote yeah. of. You know, if you read the book of Acts, where if you, if you didn't know church history, yeah. where would you presume the church yeah. would be today? Yeah. Well, it's not where we're at yeah. today. Uh, so practically then, what does it look like then for this big turnaround? Yeah. What, is, what does it mean for us to, sh- to turn this corner yeah. and move from this passivity and from this weakness and this depression state, mm-hmm. to use that metaphor, to
0: a, a vibrant world power? There's, when we're back in our haunches, when we're in that difficult state, when we're in that oppressed condition which i would say the church is right now we don't really have a clear voice we don't have a lot of clear leadership we are back on our haunches and a lot of people are actually pondering in the church siding with the world so that they don't end up under the the boot and that's the exact opposite of what makes for a strong church by the way there's depression and then there's determination. You have to choose which way you're gonna go, which is sort of this idea of living dangerously. You can choose self. You could get out of bed with your groggy, grumpy attitude. Yeah, it's gonna color the rest of your life. If you get, if you enter into your Christian walk in this culture right now with a groggy, grumpy attitude, a self-focus, you're gonna go the way of the world. Because when it gets hard, you're going to choose the easiest route. It's like the broad way or the narrow way. If you ever read Pilgrim's Progress, there's, you know, there's some attractive ways that go a different way than the hill difficulty. And yet the hill difficulty is the way to the celestial city. And for us, we need to choose determination. It's called gritting your teeth. It is grabbing a hold of God and not letting go Jacob style. Jacob was at the end of his rope. He was pinned into a corner. He didn't have a lot of hope, right? And Esau is standing against him with all of his armed men. And Jacob has nothing, women, children, and some cattle. And he can't defend himself, And so he goes off in the dark of the night and meets with God Almighty face to face. And they have a wrestling match. And Jacob grabs a hold of God and says, I will not let you go until I get what you have. That is what we do right now. We need to grit our teeth and turn this thing around. If we don't like where our life is right now, if we don't like where our marriages are, where our families are, where our churches are at, where our nation is at, what do we do? We start with ourselves as individuals. This is where it begins. And we turn this thing around in agreement with God Almighty. God Mm -hmm. is not sitting there going, no, I I don't mind if you just stay the way you are. No, God is the one sponsoring a message like this, saying, do you see it? There is something more that you need. And I think we have to keep the big picture in mind. One of the things I've noticed
1: when it comes to the little decisions, whether it's the getting out of bed or uh, to, to, you, to even use a different angle, it's like the eating f- healthy foods. W- when I just see the momentary issue, I can easily right away the big picture mm-hmm. and just like, well, yeah, I'll just eat the donut or yeah, I'll just hit snooze a few more times. Mm-hmm. But when I realize it's there's, there's a grander reality, when I, when I have eternity in view, when I'm living with God in sight, it actually makes it easier to make those simple early decisions Amen. because i'm I'm seeing it in the light of the big picture, yeah right because I, I may want the donut today, but when I look at health overall, yeah. I can easily give up the donut for the sake of health Amen. and I think as we're making these small decisions, whether it's the getting out of bed or you know the living room principle, we need to keep the big view the the eternity in our eyeball as yeah. Jonathan Edwards or Leonard Ravenhill would say yeah.
0: uh, before us yeah absolutely. Could you finish with Hebrews 12 uh, just yeah. sort of crown this uh, message. Uh, with that key thought that I know reverberates even in probably many of our listeners as we're talking about this. Yeah, I love this passage.
1: <clears throat> so the writer of Hebrews says, "Therefore, since we are surrounded with such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw aside or lay aside every weight and sin that so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Let us look to Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the sh- shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Amen. And I think it's important to recognize in this incredible passage that it's not the race is not throwing aside the weights. Mm-hmm. the The race is not setting aside the sin. Mm-hmm. It's the setting aside the sin that
0: lets us run yeah. the race. Amen. So, amen. We all need a bold turnaround at every level of our lives. Some, some of us, it's a bigger issue in our life. Some of us, it's the micro issues in our lives. It's like, you know, I'm not going to allow my life to be defeated even at that level. I want to live sharper for Jesus Christ today. He's deserving. He's worthy. Amen. Daily Thunder is a listener-supported production of Ellerslie Discipleship Training. At Ellerslie, we are laboring to rouse the Church of Jesus Christ out of its lethargy and build brave-hearted Christians for such a time as this. Daily Thunder is streamed daily, Monday through Friday, from our studio in Windsor, Colorado. And our weekend church service is delivered live and streamed at 9 a.m. on Sunday mornings. Join us at live.ellersley.com. Note that our live weekday in person version of Daily Thunder is scheduled to resume this upcoming June in conjunction with our training season. Learn more at Ellersley.com. Thanks for listening.